The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey, this is Jeff Pilson of Foreigner, and Machine, Dockin', you name it, I was probably in it. Anyways, you are listening to my favorite podcast, the Growing Up Rock Podcast, and you know what? You better crank it up.
I love it when I'm able to catch up with an artist and talk about a new album release that they got coming up, and this week is no exception. I was fortunate enough to catch up with Jeff Pilson from The End Machine. Jeff, of course, was part of all those great docking records at the highlight of their career, and he's gone on to do a lot of producing, and he's produced the debut album from The End Machine, and now he's produced this newest record from The End Machine. And Jeff and I talk about all sorts of things centered around this album, Phase 2, which is coming out on April 9th. So at the time you're hearing this, either it's out or it's coming out really soon. So I encourage you to go check it out. As you'll hear me talk to Jeff about this album, the debut End Machine record didn't necessarily connect with me on all levels. But this new record, for whatever reason really connects with me. I think the songwriting is really solid. Maybe it's the fact that it's a little bit more on the docking side than that first record, as you'll hear him talk about. They experimented a little bit more on that first album than they did on this new album. This new album's pretty much straight ahead, but they concentrated more on writing the songs. And I think it really comes across. The End Machine are... Robert Mason, who is the lead singer in Warrant, and he also spent time with George Lynch and Lynch Mob. George Lynch, obviously, on guitars. And Mick Brown was a part of the debut album. However, since then, Mick has gone on to retire, and they bought in his brother, Steve Brown. Now, this is not guitar player trickster Steve Brown. This is Steve Brown, brother of Mick Brown, drummer. And I had no idea that Mick had a brother that played drums, but he does. And apparently he's really good. So Jeff and I talk a lot about that. I think you're really going to enjoy this interview and I think you're really going to enjoy this record. So I definitely encourage you guys to go out and support the End Machine Phase 2 album and pick it up when it's available I think you're going to enjoy the singles that I play off this record. And as always, our purpose for doing these little short interview things is to spotlight the artist and the music. So hopefully you're getting a little bit out of this. It doesn't tie up too much of your time and it entertains you in short bursts. So enjoy this conversation with Jeff Pilson of The End Machine and Dokken and Foreigner, and a host of other things, as he said. So, dig it. I've been listening to it for the past week or so, just trying to repetition. I don't know about you, but music doesn't sink in with me unless I can listen to it from start to finish and just let let it really sink in, you know? Well, it's sure more fun that way. <laughs> That's the old days, right? Yeah. We used to get to live with records for a while. <laughs> right, right. That was that was that was part of your relationship with them, you know, that's important. Yeah, I agree. That's one of the things that I think we miss today is that relationship between the fan and the the album. Playlists are great. Getting music in all different kinds of places on the go is great. It's convenient. Yeah. But sitting there with that album and looking at it and, you know, maybe, you know, 
rolling things in that side of that album and whatever. <laughs> you know, I mean, there was so many things about the album that was just so superior to what, you know, like even CDs. I mean, CDs sound wonderful most of the time, but God, I miss that packaging of, of the vinyl was so great. With your current schedule and as busy of a musician producer you are, do you ever get time at home just to listen to an album, whether it's old or new, and just take time for yourself? I, I do. I try to. Not as often as I'd like, but sure. been, uh, you know, I, I ended up actually <laughs> a year ago, December, not knowing the pandemic was coming, of course, but, you know, I upgraded my our whole living room entertainment system and got the real cool surround and Atmos and all that other stuff and got a new TV that's really cool and all that, which has come in very handy during the pandemic, I might add. So I've been doing things like I'll listen to classical music because when you get stuff that's like 192K resolution and, you know, mixed in Dolby Atmos and stuff, it's just so beautiful. And some of the classical stuff is just phenomenal. It's like, it's almost like being there. It's really close. So uh, I've been doing as much of that as I can and, you know, cranking out the old albums when I can. And yeah, it's fun, man. Music's great. I've been making it a point on Friday evenings, just waiting for my wife to kind of get done with her work. We both work from home. So I've been making it a point to go grab a glass of red wine and just put on whatever album I'm feeling at that moment. Oh, that's great. That's great. See, that that's beautiful. Yeah, I, I mean, I, th I I hope that audio progresses to the point where that stuff starts to sound so good now that people want to start doing that more and more instead of just listening on their phones and, you know, so much of the listening that goes on iPods, all that kind of thing. Let's get back to some real audio listening. And yeah, I like the Friday nights with Steve and the wine. That sounds good. <laughs> A glass of good red wine. There's nothing wrong with it. <laughs> yep. Good for the stomach. That's right. So let's talk about this new End Machine album, Phase 2. Was the record already recorded before the pandemic, or was it something that came about because you guys were stuck at home? I mean, we were going to have to do it anyways, but what happened was is we did have to record it remotely, mm -hmm. um, which we hadn't, of course, planned on originally. But uh, actually, previous to the End Machine record, George and I did a record called Heavy Hitters, which was it was a covers record. Mm -hmm. We did it mostly for fun, really. But it also served as a great testing ground for working remotely. So then when it came to the M machine and we had to actually write remotely, we had some chops under our belt on how to do it. Mm -hmm. And it worked out fabulous. So, yeah, it was a different experience, especially for George and I, who for almost 40 years have written, you know, in a room together. We had to write on Skype, <laughs> which is which was different. But but we did it and it worked out and um, good to know it can be done. Yeah, not to get sidetracked, but that Heavy Hitters record, that one tune that you guys did with Mark, I think Mark was singing on it. You got the love? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. man, I love that Isn't thing. That killer? That's my favorite song on the record. Uh, it's mine as well. He's so perfect for that Motown thing because he, Isn't did, he? he did that, you know, before Bullet right? Boys. He loves it. And man, did he nail that vocal performance. Wow. <laughs>
so good and sounds so good. Like sonically, that song sounds so good. That's my favorite sounding one too. Yep. Yeah. So you produced the first End Machine record. Did you also produce this one? I did. Okay. With the response from the first album, was there a conscious effort for you guys to move in a particular direction with the writing of the record, of the new record? Well, I don't know if it was the response that was responsible, but I know for us, we definitely wanted to really concentrate on the songs. We let ourselves experiment a little bit on the first record and get a little out there in a few spots, which as a musician, you kind of need to do every now and then. But we we decided we didn't want to do that on this record. We want to wanted to make this record a little more meat and potatoes and really concentrate on the songs make sure all the choruses are great and the hooks are great. It was really about songwriting this time. So that was the emphasis. And I feel very, very happy with what we came up with. Yeah. So that's interesting. Let me ask you this, because you sort of alluded to it there as a musician, an artist, a producer, whatever, does it bug you when a fan says, dude, quit messing around. Just give me under lock and key again, or just give me back for the attack again. Don't give, I don't want to hear experimentation. I want to hear under lock and key too. Well, I, I wouldn't say it bothers me because I understand that. I mean, if you, you know, if you were a docking fan, you want to hear docking music. I get it. There's nothing too mysterious about that. Yes. Sometimes it feels a little limiting artistically. Mm -hmm. Um, but then that we find other outlets. That's kind of partly what Heavy Hitters was all about. We got to do some stuff on there because we already knew we weren't going to do that with the end machine. Mm -hmm. We were going to stay more meat and potatoes. You know, Heavy Hitters was our outlet. And that works out great. So, no, I get, I get why fans think that. Do I sometimes feel like it sort of limits what we can do? Yeah, a little bit. But at the same time, I definitely understand people wanting, you know, they're buying a product. They're not there to contribute to your art. They're there because they want to be entertained. So give them what will entertain them. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I think nowadays it's probably easier for you as a musician to basically do that. And it seems like George has been really good about with all his different projects. He does a million different yeah. things. He yeah. has Lynch Mob. Well, I don't know if he has it anymore. But anyway, he had Lynch Mob. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of sounded like docking, and so you knew what you were getting with that. But then he could do something like Souls at We that is like <laughs> totally left field, right, you know. Right. So I guess nowadays you can sort of basically just do a project that sounds like whatever you want it to sound like, and you don't have to push it off as this or that, you know. Yeah. Well, I yeah, I part of it is is. You know, somebody like George, he needs creative outlets. So, of course, he's going to do that. And, you know, his concern is is about being great with what, whatever it is, not about, you know, how many units selling and all that. But, it's, you know, you do have to walk a fine line. I mean, you know, there's there are times when, you know, for us, we, we knew that, OK, we want to make this more meat and potatoes, less experimental. But that doesn't mean it couldn't be fun and, and we couldn't get off on it. Right. And that's what we did. We just worked on it until we got off on it. But we were accomplishing what we what we set out to accomplish. And I feel like we did that. Right. How do you feel this uh, this album differs from the debut? Well, I, again, I think there's a little more consistency about the songwriting in general. There is less experimentation, but then there's some just great rock and heavy cool stuff with George doing his thing and heavy grooves and, and great melodies. And 
so I think it's a little more song oriented and it's a little more a little more straight ahead, but I feel like we've actually come up a notch in quality. So that that's my personal feeling. I would actually agree with that. So I went back and listened to the first record and I think there's a lot of great stuff on the first record, but for whatever reason, and I can't even tell you what that reason is, the first record didn't connect with me quite the way I expected it to. I don't know why. Well, I because I think because we were a little more left field than you probably wanted. This new record, however, yes, it sounds a little bit more docking. I so I yeah. get that. Sure. And I don't know that I was necessarily expecting it to sound like Dokken when the band was first announced. Like, okay, yeah, it's got three guys from Dokken, but I don't like to assume anything. So (laughs) I didn't assume anything. And the album came out and I thought there was some stuff on that first album that was somewhat Dokken, Lynch Mobby like. It just didn't connect completely with me. But this new album, so I've gone through it several times now, and I think it's great. I think it's a great record. I think, to your point, there's some melodies and some hooks that are really, really strong. Thank you. That was the goal. I can tell where you you probably, like you said, have spent more time focusing on the songwriting versus anything yes, else. Yes, we did. Correct. You've worked in both the digital era and the analog era. As a producer, as a musician, do you prefer all the things that come with the digital age? Or if time and money were no object, do you prefer to produce and record in the old style? No, I'm very excited about all the new technology and and all that. I mean, Pro Tools, which is, of course, the main software program that musicians tend to use, that really excited me. That gave me a new enthusiasm about recording when that came out. But of course, that was over 20 years ago. But I, I have. I've, it's really helped my interest in the whole recording process. What I like, however, is if you'll, if you'll see, you know, this is my studio here. And mm-hmm. All my gear back here is old vintage analog gear. And my feeling is if you have the vintage analog gear on the front end of your digital, then your digital is perfectly reproducing what that vintage analog is and it stays that way Mm -hmm. and i love that so for me i'm very happy with the new technology as long as you have the old vintage stuff to put at the front end of the recording i'm very happy yeah the end machine played a handful of dates when the first album came out do you want to see this come to life this seems to always kind of be an issue for people like yourself that have these motherships. So your mothership obviously is foreigner, right? You know, foreigner tours constantly. So right. you don't have enough time to do some of these great projects like black Swan or end machine. Right. Right. Well, I will say is the long-term goal to make this something that we would do out live. Absolutely. I mean, I, I would, I would love that if the end machine were, were my band that I could go to, to get my yayas out, to go out and play, to do all that kind of stuff. But you're right, there is the complication of foreigners' incessant touring schedule. So, you know, I have to look at it like, well, it's going to be limited for a while. Mm-hmm. But you never know what's going to happen down the future. You know, I mean, George and I have been partners for almost 40 years. We ain't going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I totally get it. Look, I mean, people have to understand, you know, you got you got bills to pay. Let's put it simple. You got bills to pay. So you stick with the mothership and that's, there's no shame in that. That's what it is. Yeah. 
I mean, that's what I do. I play music for yeah. a living. So yeah. Which, you know, and, and, and people do have to understand that because you, you do, you'll see a lot of comments like, when are you going to play live? When are you going to play live? I don't know. I just don't know. It's physical logistics. There's just only so much time. You are absolutely right about that. Yeah, it's one of the reasons why I love like things like the Monsters of Rock cruise. Maybe they are lucky yeah, enough to line up dates and get you on there at the same time. Right. And I could see us doing something like that at some point, sure. Yeah, and that would be fantastic, especially yeah. if you could if you could do double duty and do a end machine gig and a Black Swan gig. I'd be like, yay! I'd be on that ship. Wow. That would be fun. I'd love that. <laughs> no doubt. From a writing standpoint, do you contribute more on the music side or the lyric side, melody side, or is it all areas for you when you're writing? Well, music, yes. A lot of melody, yes. Some lyrics, for certain on this record, Robert was the main contributor lyrically, but we all really collaborated strongly on on the choruses and whatnot. I mean, that was all three of us. George had a lot, a lot you know, had input on there, too. But on this particular record, I would say my actually probably my main contribution was melodically because musically George and I do it. But, you know, it generally stems from something that George comes up with, you know, Mm -hmm. and then we write a song around it. And, you know, we both might come up with parts or whatever. But melodically, I think, is where I had even more input on this record. Yeah, you said it starts with an idea usually from George, maybe a riff or something that you guys right. just build on. I saw I saw some YouTube video the other day where, I don't know, George was at Soundcheck or something, and he was noodling around, did something, and I saw him run off stage and grab his phone and start recording this riff that he was doing. I was laughing because I knew what he was doing, right? He's probably got a phone full of all this stuff. Right, he does. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the next end machine record already started. <laughs> uh, probably. With the ability nowadays to be a part of many different projects, does it bug you that you may not be able to give the proper amount of promotion through touring or interviews that that project may deserve? Yes, of course it does. I mean, yeah, I mean, you can't help but you can't help but want to give your all, and sometimes it does feel like you can't. But at the same time, I figure, well, but I'm, I'm lucky enough to be able to do this stuff. So I just do the best I can and I do as many of these as I can, you know. The music biz has become somewhat of a hodgepodge for you with all this different stuff. You're either playing or recording or producing or writing in one project or another. How do you keep all this straight? reams of paper and notes (laughs) and and fortunately i'm pretty organized and you know when you have your workstation and everything i mean i i have it all set up so i know what i'm doing and and i know where everything is and and it starts with the music and i'm pretty good with organizing the music and i just have to hope from there i mean i make the occasional screw up and forget an interview and all that kind of stuff but um as a rule i just try and stay organized and Keep on top of it. That's all you can do. Yeah. So now this time out, then machine, obviously Mick Brown is retired and you've got Mick Brown's brother, Steve Brown, Yep. now part of the band. So what's the story with Steve Brown? Because he wasn't a musician and in other bands at one point in time. And I guess I would be like, why not? Oh, he's been in plenty of other bands. Has he? Um, yeah, he was in a band called Oleander for years that, you know, in the 90s had a record deal and all that kind of stuff. So no, he's been playing in bands forever. He's also done a lot of session work in the studio, and he's he's really good in the studio. See, that was something I didn't know about. See, I, I mean, I've known Steve since he was 16 years old. Actually, even younger. What am I saying? But I didn't realize 
and I knew he was going to be great. I knew he was going to play great, and I knew he was going to play excited. And I, and I didn't know how well he could sing, but I kind of suspected he could sing pretty well, you know, because he's he's got mixed same speaking voice too. But I didn't realize how great in the studio he'd be. He was just fabulous in the studio. I mean, really accurate, but with lots of feel and energy and taste and you know, thought out the parts well. And when, when stuff was kind of loose and we had to kind of figure it out, he just, he was spontaneous and creative and what a joy to work with. I mean, he's just a sweetheart of a guy. And you know what? We hit the jackpot when we got that guy. I'm telling you, it was, it was really great. I mean, if you can't have Mick Brown, have his brother because it's really great. <laughs> I had no idea he had a brother. So did he offer his brother up or suggest his brother to you guys? I think he was the first to make the suggestion at one point. And then Robert and George and I were having a meeting when we were trying to figure out what to do. And George said, why don't we just get Steve? And I was like, yeah, that sounds great. And it worked out perfect. <laughs> That's awesome. So do you have a couple of songs on the record that you're particularly fond of? I mean, they're they're all good, but is there any ones you're leaning towards at this uh, juncture of the record? Well, the song Destiny, which is the closing song on the record, I just love that song. I love the way it came out. I love the statement it makes, the whole thing. I love it. There's a song called Dark Divide that the message I really, really like a lot. And that's kind of important to me. I think Scars, the ballad, Robert just sings it so great. And there's something about that song that really came out beautiful. I love Crack the Sky, which, which by the way, the video for Crack the Sky is going to be coming out Friday. So video number two from phase two okay. coming out Friday. And that song, I'm really very, very proud of. So there's a lot of them on the record. But yeah, those are Plastic Heroes. I love that song. It's just, it's melodic and interesting. And I'm just really happy. Yep. Those are two of my favorite. Dark Divide and Plastic Heroes are two of my favorites. Oh. I also dig oh. Shine Your Light. I like quite a bit. Oh, wow. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. That was that was the first chorus that, that we came up with for the record. So. Yeah, but all in all, just a really, really solid record. You guys should be proud of this. I think uh, fans of End Machine are going to like it. I think fans of Dockin' and Lynch Mob are going to like it. So it'll be interesting to hear the feedback from yeah. all the Can't fans wait. out there. Can't wait. Well, everything I've seen so far has been positive, You know, so I'm, I'm very excited. Yeah, well done. Well, Jeff, I'll make sure that all the information for the album and the band gets in the show notes and uh, people know where to go get it. This record, Phase 2 and Machine, is out on April 9th. So get out there and support this band and this record because we think you're going to enjoy it quite a bit. If you're, like I said, a docking fan or an End Machine fan, you're going to dig this record. I like it quite a bit. I'm looking forward to spending even more time, maybe a Friday night with a glass of wine. I think the wife wife needs to get in, you know, give her the give her a little bit of the wine and put her down. <laughs> yep, there you go. Sounds like a good evening to me. That's it. Jeff, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, man. Been a pleasure. Get ready to shuffle, rattle, and roll. Play us out, boys.
Please make sure you subscribe to our podcast, Growing Up Rock, and leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a like and leave us a comment on Facebook at Growing Up Rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.